verses 1 through 8. This is a psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you for as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Thank you. Amen. I just want that to be our prayer and our longing this morning as we, as we continue in worship through, through the message. Uh, as I get settled here, I got a question for all of you. I know. After you opened your eyes, of course, what was the first thing you did when you woke up this morning? Shout it out. What was the first thing you did? That was a lot. Starting over here, what do we do? I went to the bathroom. Bathroom. Devotion. Before the bathroom? Coffee. Got to get out of bed first. There you go. Here's the thing. If we were to really just like take what we did this morning, it'd probably fall into one of three camps. Like getting out of bed. I didn't think about that one. That's, that's thinking outside the box. But you probably did one of these three things. You probably checked your phone. When I, when I, <laughs> whenever I ask this question, that's always one of the first things if we're really honest with ourselves. We wake up, we look at our phone, whether our alarm's on there or not. We look at our phone. Did anybody email me, text me, do whatever uh, while I was asleep? And that's probably not a great habit to be in, if we're being honest, but you probably checked your phone, you probably went to the bathroom, and then you probably got coffee, right? Probably one of those three things, and then you go and do your devotions, and then you go and do, you know, those sorts of things. You probably did one of those three things. Now, you probably did all three of those things, actually, just maybe not in that order. Maybe you checked your phone, then you went to the bathroom, and then you got coffee. Maybe you went to the bathroom first, then checked your phone, and then uh, got your coffee, but God forbid you do that, right? God forbid you check your phone, you get your coffee, and then you go to the bathroom. I just feel like that's a lot of juggling, um, and it's probably all not that sanitary if you really think about it. But here's the thing. That is called a habit. That's called a habit, right? Because chances are, if you woke up this morning and you went to the bathroom, or you woke up this morning and you got your coffee, or you woke up this morning and you checked your phone, chances are you did that yesterday, chances are you're going to do that tomorrow, and chances are that you're going to do it the day after that, and 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 the day after that, right? right? Chances are you've been doing this forever and you're going to keep doing it. And I know for myself, habits, especially in the morning, (laughs) are very important because I can just turn my brain off and just let my body like kind of, you know, wander over to the bathroom, get my, you know, get the coffee, check my phone, do all that stuff. And in in our house, my wife makes the coffee the night before and gets it ready to to go in the morning. And sometimes, we're we're human, she forgets. And let me tell you what, when that's not ready for me in the morning, and my eyes are still like, and I have to fumble around and get coffee in the morning, my habits are all thrown off. (laughs) 
Anyway, I just thought I'd wake us up this morning. The image of somebody like, I'm going to, hold on, as an aside, the image of somebody with their phone in one hand, coffee in the other hand, trying to go into the bathroom, when I was writing this, just cracked me up for a solid five minutes, and I had to stop everything (laughs) and walk away for a second. Anyway, sorry. Those are all called habits, and habits are defined as this, if I can get the next slide. Habits are defined as settled or regular tendency of practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Does that seem like a good definition of the word habit? Better be. That's Webster's. You know, that's the definition of habit. Settled or regular tendency of practice, especially one that is hard to give up. Now, besides just waking up and doing one of those three things or all of those three things, our life is run by habits more than we even know. Now, I've made it a special point to annoy the cameraman today by walking back and forth, like, all the way. This is on purpose, don't you worry. (laughs) Doing this, because what I'm doing right now is a habit, right? When you really think about it, you were not born walking. And if you were, the government scooped you up by now and studying you because that's just nuts. But we were all born without the ability to walk, and we all had to learn how to walk. And how do babies tend to walk when they are first learning to walk? They kind of toddle. They kind of fall over. They, you know, it's kind of really clumsy. They're like doing this, and then they'll fall over, and they got to get back up, and they got to get used to it. They have to form the muscle memory. They have to form the habit. Imagine... Imagine if, as an adult, as all of us are here, if I had to think cognitive, like, have to think step by step, literally, okay, lift up my right foot, lean forward, bring my foot forward, put it down. Okay, good. (laughs) Left foot forward, up, and don't fall over, and down. Every single step we took. Imagine if this wasn't habitual. How far behind in history would we be (laughs) if that's what we had to do? Because here's the thing, our lives run on habits. They do. Walking, right? The way we talk is a habit, when you really think about it. When you walk over to open a door, most of us don't think about, okay, I'm going to raise my hand, I'm going to put it on the doorknob, I'm going to turn and walk through. It's just habitual. Same thing as waking up, going to the bathroom, checking your phone, doing whatever, walking. There's all sorts of habits in our lives, and they run our lives. I just want to give you a little personal example of this. A couple weeks ago, I was on vacation with my family, and we go down to Cape May, New Jersey, um, which is like the only good part of Jersey. We go, to, <laughs> we go to Cape May, New Jersey, and we do the beach thing. We do the beach thing hard. We wake up, we go to the beach, we spend all day there, we sun ourselves, we lay on the beach, we read a bunch of books, we go in the water, and then we come back, uh, and then we just chill. We go out to eat, we do all that stuff. We do the relaxation thing hard. We're kind of pros at it. Not going to lie. It's what we do. Here's how I vacation. Most people, when they're on vacation, especially people my age, they like to stay up late, like to go see the sights, they like to go play midnight mini golf or whatever. They like to do that. Not me. No. My normal work habit, sleep habit, is I go to bed at like 11 o'clock-ish, and I wake up at 6. Probably should get more sleep than that now I'm thinking about it, but I don't. When I'm on vacation, I'm in bed at 9.30, <laughs> and I sleep till 9, 9.30, right? Yeah. <laughs> Half of my vacation literally is in bed, <laughs> 12 hours a day in bed, and I love it. 
But here's the thing. We came back on a Saturday, so I woke up in New Jersey on a Saturday, we drove all the way back, and then the next day was Sunday, and as you probably guess by the fact I'm speaking to you from a pulpit, I had to go to church, right? Now, what was really cool about that Sunday is at my home church, we had a baptism Sunday, and it was awesome, but that means I need to get there a little early, and a little early means 6.30. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you how much habits run your life. <laughs> I want you to imagine having a week of sleeping 12 hours and then having to get up at like 5.30. Can you imagine the pain? <laughs> my body, my mind, every, everything in my soul was screaming, go back to bed. Everything. Because habits run our lives. Because I was out of the habit, my normal habit, and I created a new habit and I was trying to break that habit all of a sudden cold turkey, and it hurt. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It hurt. But habits are super important to our lives. But here's the weird thing about habits is that the brain creates habits because it's, it's essentially lazy. When you think about it, some people say efficient, I say lazy. Because here's the thing. I'm going to take an instrument, for example. I play guitar, I play bass, um, I, I play pretty much stringed instruments that I can hold like this. I play ukulele, I play stuff like that. There comes a point where playing an instrument uh, becomes habitual, right? You don't have to think about, okay, this is a G chord. Imagine, and all, all uh, musicians have thought this before as you're trying to play chords, you have to think about those chords. How good does that song actually sound when you have to think about each one of those chords? It's not just a habit. How good does it sound? Not great. <laughs> you sound like a four-year-old trying to play guitar, right? It's not great. So you create habits to essentially make sense of the complicated thing that you're doing. That's a powerful, powerful tool that we as believers, if we can master, can use to glorify God and to live a righteous, righteous life. Using our wiring that we have, that God has designed us to have, to glorify him taking advantage of that habitual nature that we all have, because we're all habitual creatures. Maybe you've heard that before. We're all habitual creatures. We all have a liturgy of life that we live by. Hence the title of the sermon. And if we can master that, we can use that to glorify God in an amazing way. But if we don't master that, it can be destructive to our very lives. Because here's also the thing about habits. Our brain cannot discern the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. Our brain, when we're creating habits, just know that this is easy. And so it's going to do it again. And again. And again. And again. This is how habits are formed. There's a trigger. Something happens. You do something. You react to it. Your body gets feedback. Sometimes it's good feedback. And when it's good feedback, you tend to do it again when that trigger comes along again. Everybody follow me? Here's the example. <clears throat> Chinoa, let's say we're going to go work out. Chinoa's my wife, by the way. I'm not just picking on you. <laughs> let's say me and you want to get in a workout routine. We're going to get up early because we both work, and it's going to stink the first couple times, right? How many of you have ever tried to work out early in the morning? First time you do it, how does it feel? <laughs> Sucks real bad, <laughs> okay? We're going to get up, we're going to go work out, we're going to come back, it's not going to be great. The second day, we're going to get up, we're going to go work out, we're going to come back, it's going to be a little better. 
We're going to go out, we're going we're to come, we're going to work out, we're going to come back, and it's going to be a little better than that. And as we get in the habit of doing this, what is going to happen is that we are going to see results in ourselves. Our brain's going to say, oh, that's really cool. I see your muscles getting bigger. I can see you can run longer. That's really cool. So it's going to push you to do it even more. And once you do that, your brain, you're going to do it more, and then you're going to get bigger, and then your brain's going to be like, that's really cool. So you're going to do it more, and you're going to get bigger, and the cycle goes on and on and on and on and on and on. It goes. That's a habit essentially forming. But the same can be true with uh, watching Netflix and eating chocolate the second you get home from work, right? Right? Nobody knows anything about that. <laughs> no. Me. No. Same thing's true when you get home from work. You walk through the door, you make dinner, you plop yourself down on the couch, and you, want ne and you watch Netflix. Both of those are habits right? And they're both giving us desired effects. One is giving us the desired effect of being able to be fit. One is giving us the desired effect of chilling out and eating chocolate and watching Netflix, right? Our brain doesn't know the difference. It just knows it's good for both of them. One of them is destructive, ultimately. One of them is going to help you thrive. So how do we get that cycle kicked off in our own spiritual Lives. I want to go to Romans 1, or Romans 12, 1 through 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for, <clears throat> done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, I want to Oh, there we go. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Can we go back, actually? I'll read this in a second. <clears throat> I want to focus on this word, bodies, here. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done. Now, <clears throat> this is the New Testament. It's written in Greek. The word bodies here does not necessarily mean head, shoulders, knees, and toes, right? It doesn't mean the physical body. The word body here actually means your entire being, including body, mind, and soul. Keep going. Next slide. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Oftentimes when we think of the body and mind, we think of them as two separate things, and so we, send, and so we tend to think of them and act on them in two separate ways ways. We have mental health and we have physical health. And what Paul is essentially saying here in Romans and the way God has designed us and what kind of science supports is that our brain and our bodies are intimately connected. Intimately connected. Here's what I mean. We'll go back to the workout analogy. We're going to kind of hang out on the workout analogy for a while, so I'm sorry if you don't go to the gym or anything, because <clears throat> that's where we're going to hang out. If I go to the gym, and I work out, and I am getting bigger, and I like that, my body is going to want to do it more, because my brain is going to be saying, oh, that's pretty cool. My brain's going to be rewarded, so it's going to push my body to do something. My brain's going to be rewarded, so it's going to push my body to do it. My brain's going to be rewarded, so it's going to push my body to do it. Do you guys get the cycle here? Our brain and our body is connected. Our brain and our body is connected. Along with the workout analogy, it has been proven over and over and over and over again that when we work out, when we are active, our brain is being fed positive hormones. Right? 
Our brain and our body are connected. Our brain and our body are connected. And it's a powerful, powerful tool that we can use as believers to be able to, again, worship God and live righteous lives. Can we go back to the second slide of Romans here? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What do you think is another word for that? It's the H word we've been talking about. Habits. Don't copy the habits of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the habits of this world. Be separate from those things. Our body, our mind, our soul belong to God, and what Paul is calling us to is to use our habits, to use the tools that God has given us to be able to take control of our own lives, to be able to worship God more fully. So how do we kick off this cycle? And what are some important things that we can do in our own liturgy, and liturgy just means uh, order of things or habits of things, daily habits. How can we use those things to honor God daily in our lives? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing about habits, and here's the thing about the liturgy of our lives, is that things in life are going to happen, right? Right? Things happen. You lose your job. Family members die. You may go through uh, friendship or maybe even romantic strain. Things happen. I mean, geez, in the last couple of years, the whole world shut down. Things happen, right? And if we don't have these habits that Paul is talking about here, we can feel lost. We can feel <clears throat> like we're disconnected. We can feel like we have nothing to hold on to. Because when things hit the fan, we can hold on to these things that we're going to talk about. So, what are the three things we're going to talk about? What are the three habits that we as believers need to master over the course of our lifetime? And the key word there is lifetime. We're going to talk about incarnational fellowship, what we're doing right now. Incarnational, in-person fellowship. Those connection groups that you guys have, awesome. If you are not planning to join them and you have the ability to, I highly encourage you to. I highly encourage you to. We're going to talk about incarnational fellowship. We're going to talk about deep relational prayer with the Father. And we're going to talk about meditative scripture. Now, each one of those had a very important adjective attached to that, so make sure you pay attention to that. And we're just going to take it one point at a time. This is a classic three-point sermon, so if we can get the next slide up, we're going to talk about incarnational fellowship. This is Paul again. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Now, in the NIV, where it says, as some people do, it says, as some are in the habit of doing. So I don't know if you can edit that real quick, to, as some people are in the habit of doing. Franklin, you're on the spot here. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. As some are in the habit of doing. I want to focus on that. There's something important to understand about this version of as some are in the habit of doing. I'm stalling for you. There it is. As some are in the habit of doing. <laughs> 
What's interesting about this version of the word habit is it's different than what we described before because what we described before is simply our actions, right? It's actions that we take that are hard to give up. But the word here for habit in the Greek is actually the word, and this is a tough one, habitus. Probably never would have made the jump there to habit, right? Habitus, a state of being or how you are. That's a little deeper than what we discussed before, is it not? A state of of being or how you are. It goes beyond just the things we do, and it actually starts to talk about our very character. We lost a slide here. There it is. Our very character. What would you call someone who goes to the gym every day? What would you call someone who goes to the gym every day, lifts heavy weights, gets big? What would be the name of that person? Depends on your point of view, I suppose. Yeah, sure. What would you call that person? Weightlifter, bodybuilder, something like that, right? Okay, now I'm going to go back to me. Um, I'm not a bodybuilder. I know, shocking, not a bodybuilder. What would happen if I went to the gym one time, lifted up one barbell, uh, one free weight, put it down, went home? What would you call me? Bring it on. <laughs> Not a bodybuilder. Thank you. <laughs> you spared me. Uh, <laughs> Not a bodybuilder. Because I haven't committed to the lifestyle. I haven't committed to the habit. I haven't made it a part of me, a state of being or how you are, who you are. I haven't made it my essence yet. Yet. And that's the key word. Yet. And the same is true for incarnational worship in the church. If I can go back to the to the scripture verse. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to act to acts of love and good works. Can you do that alone? No. Same is true with being a bodybuilder. You can't be a bodybuilder without actually putting in the work. You cannot be a part of the church unless you are a part of the church. Right? both physically and mentally, a part of the church? Is it possible to motivate one another and to be motivated to acts of love and good works by yourself? No. You can't. So, as we continue to discuss the habit of meeting together in incarnational worship, make this a part of your whole Life. Now, I understand I'm speaking to a group of people who are actually here in the building, right? So this is kind of like, all right, Pastor Matt, I get it. I'm here. We can move on. But I understand that you guys have a huge podcast and a huge uh, video series uh, channel as well. That's a community. And I encourage those people that if they're able to, to meet in person, if they're, if they're far away from here, to find a church to meet in person, to be a part of that community. And if they already are, and this is just kind of a secondary or maybe tertiary uh, 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 scripture sort of um, encouragement that they get every week, that's awesome. But I encourage folks, no matter what, to continue meeting together because you cannot motivate each other to be the best believer that you can be alone. Can't do it. We really want to, right? It's the American way. <laughs> I can do it by myself. I don't need you. Well, guess what? That falls apart really quick when times get tough. We can't do it. We need to be in the habit of meeting together. We need to be in the habit of being a part of the incarnational church. Amen?
Now I know I'm preaching to the choir here because you're all here. So we're going to move on to, to uh, prayer next. Luke 5, 15 and 16. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. I want to hold on the slide for a second. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. In the business, we call that successful ministry, right? The gospel's spreading. People are being healed. Miraculous things are happening. Vast crowds are coming. He's building a church. That's called successful ministry. He's evangelizing. And yet, what does he do? But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. You know what that sounds like to me? intentionality in prayer. Intentionality in prayer. During this part of Jesus' ministry, we can see that his ministry is growing. And like I said, uh, as a preacher, this is like what you want. This is called success. This is where his flock is growing. This is where uh, people are wanting to hear him talk. This is where people are being healed. This is where people uh, are being saved. And he's developing his ministry, and they're developing ministries, and he's got followers, and things are happening. This is what every preacher wants here. And yet, he's often he withdrew to the wilderness. In the NIV, it says he often withdrew to a lonely place to pray. Do you think you're doing a lot of evangelizing when you're alone? By definition, no, (laughs) right? You're alone. So why would he do it? Because he's intentional about being in deep communion with the Father, where ultimately we find our strength. Amen? Tell me if this sounds uh, familiar to you. You get home from work, it's been a long day, maybe a long week, and you're sitting on your couch, you know, watching Netflix and eating candy, like we were talking about before, right? That's not familiar to any of us, right? <laughs> I've never done that in my life. We get home, we're like, man, I, I really haven't been with the Lord today yet. Should really pray. But man, I'm just so tired. I'll do it in the morning. Well, then you wake up, uh, you hit your alarm, you go back to sleep on accident, because that never happens. So you're late to work, and you're like, oh, well, I'll just do it in the car. And then you're driving to work, and then that jerk that always cuts you off, cuts you off again, and you're thinking about them the whole time. You're like, okay, I'll just do it when I get to work. And then Bobby comes to your cubicle, and he wants to talk about that project that you've been talking about for the last three months, and he just doesn't seem to get it. And so you're dealing with him, and you're dealing with emails, and it's Monday, so you're catching up on phone calls, and you got all this stuff going on, and so you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to pray. Um, I guess I'll just do it at lunch. And then you're eating lunch with your friends, and you just keep talking about the most random things, and, you know, you're talking about baseball, soccer, whatever, you know, whatever you talk about at lunch. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just, I'll do it when I get back to my office. And then Bobby, once again, does not quite understand the assignment. So he's bugging you at your cubicle again. You have to deal with him all day. And then you are driving home from work, and you're like sitting on the couch, eating chocolate. It's been a long day. Man, I should really pray. 
Now I'll do it tomorrow. How many, does that sound familiar to anybody? Sounds really familiar to me. Might not be exactly that way. But you know what I just described? A habit. A habit. You know what this is? Intentionality. We have to be intentional with the habit of prayer. Why do we have to be intentional with the habit of prayer? Because if we don't, life is going to be intentional with us. And we're not going to be able to do things like this. We're not going to be able to purposefully withdraw from the world and pray to the Father where ultimately we find our strength. So this is where the practicality comes in, the functionality of prayer. How do we become intentional with our prayer time? Well, if you're like me, you write everything in a calendar, so maybe it's time you open up that calendar and say, I'm going to pray at 6.30 a.m. every morning. It's going to be for two minutes to start because I haven't done this in a while, and it's like a muscle, and you don't instantly go and start benching, you know, I don't know, I don't bench. What's, what's a high number to bench? <laughs> 410, I don't know, something. You're not going to start benching 410. You're going to start small, so you're going to pray for a minute. Maybe if it's not 630, maybe you're really not a morning person and you're really not awake at that time. You accidentally have your phone and your coffee in the bathroom and you're just like, what's going on? Maybe it's at lunch. Maybe it's when you get home. Maybe it's whenever the kids are asleep. I know some of you are in that boat, all right? Whatever it is, be intentional to pick a time to pray. Start small. Start with just a minute. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your family. Pray for your own kids. Pray for whatever it may be. Start with a minute. And then what you're going to find is that as you develop this habit, as you're intentional with the time and the place that you're praying, that minute is going to be really short. And it's going to become two minutes. And over time, as you're intentional with that two minutes, and as you keep praying and praying and day after day after day after day, it's going to be five minutes, ten minutes. 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, until eventually we reach this. Next slide. Always be joyful, never stop praying. In the NIV it says, never cease praying, to pray ceaselessly, until eventually, as you begin to develop the muscle of prayer, everything that you do is prayer. That's the goal, right there. But, just like I'm not a bodybuilder, we can't all start like this. We have to start small. But we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional. So that's prayer. Scripture's kind of in the same boat, so let's go to Scripture. This is Psalm uh, 1, 1 through 3. Describing the perfect Scripture reader. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in their mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Now, that sounds pretty great. I want to go back a slide real quick. Four lines down, what's that first word? Meditating. Now, I know in the West, in America especially, that's a really weird word, because oftentimes when we think of meditating, we think of people cross-legged going om, right? That's meditating. But in the Hebrew in which this is written, meditating means something very specific. 
And the translation to English, the best translation that we have for the word meditating is the word to mutter, M-U-T-T-E-R, to speak quietly to yourself. So think about this. But they delight in the law of the Lord, muttering on it day and night. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to do that literally, (laughs) just speaking quietly to myself all the time, and I was like in Hannaford or something, whatever you guys have up here, I don't know. Would that be weird, right? That'd be weird. But it's calling us to meditate on it day and night. So what is the kind of equivalent to muttering it to ourselves, and what does this really, really mean? Well, muttering, what they're kind of talking about here, is that the scripture should not just be something that's cerebral. It needs to be something that we do with our body. It needs to be something that we partake in in conversation with one another. It needs to be something that we think about all the time. It needs to be something that we pick apart, put back together, question maybe, parse through certain things, try to connect certain scripture to other parts of scripture, trying to do all of these things. That's meditating on it day and night. Now, if you're new to Scripture, does that sound easy? If anyone says yes, you're lying to yourself. (laughs) Or you just don't know yet. This book is one of the most complicated pieces of literature ever written. Because here's the thing. It's not just one piece of literature. It's multiple pieces of literature. Some parts are history, some parts are narrative, some parts are poetry. And when we meditate on it day and night, over the course of our lifetime, that complicated piece of of literature here begins to make a little more sense over time. And as it makes more sense, we're able to dive into it deeper. And as we're able to dive into it deeper, it makes a little less sense. But as we begin to dive into it deeper and it makes a little less sense and we meditate it on, we meditate on it and it begins to make a little more sense. And you get to go on and on and on and on and on and on it goes. And what ends up happening is as we, make, uh, as we make Scripture a part of our lives, as we read it daily, it begins to read us. Amen? And what I mean by that is if we go back to the word habit in the Greek, if we go back to the word habit in the Greek, it's a part of who we are. Habits, a state of being, or how you are. It's not just something you do. It's who you are you are. So if we make it a habit to read scripture every day, if we make it a habit to pray every day, if we make it a habit to be in fellowship with one another every day, every week, it becomes who we are. But we have to start small. Now, as many of you know, in the next two weeks, uh, school's about to start. Collective awe, summer's over, right? How many of you still have kids in school, just out of curiosity? Anybody? Okay, if you're, college counts. There you go. I don't know about you, but I'm 26, um, and so I still, every fall, feel anxious. <laughs> that was uh, years and years and years of going to school and feeling anxious in, in August and not wanting to go back to school, and it's just kind of hung around talk about the power of habits. Even though I'm out of school, I still feel kind of anxious. But here's the thing that I find about school starting is that that is actually, I believe, the best time to start new habits, workout habits, Bible habits, praying habits, fellowship habits. Because here's the thing, a lot of people when they think, okay, I'm going to start a new habit, when do they want to actually start the habit? Like when is the time people tend to do it? January 1st. Is there a big difference between December 31st and January 1st? 
No, it's cold, it's snowy, and it's dark. <laughs> Both days, nothing changes. Make this the time. As the leaves begin to change, as the weather begins to change, as maybe if you're a parent, your habits begin to change, make this the time to start incorporating this change into your life. Because here's the thing. Eventually, your kids are going to graduate school. Eventually, those habits are going to change. In the liturgy of the year, your habits do this. But if we can master these habits as believers in Christ, this, these are the habits that are going to last us a lifetime. These are the habits that are going to get us through a lifetime. These are the habits that are going to help us thrive in our lifetime. Developing a deeper, more solid, rock-hard relationship with the Father. But we have to start small. We have to start small. I want to read you something out of Acts. This is what a lot of people call the Acts 2 church as the perfect example of what a church is. And I want you to read it with me here. One, two, three. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I want that. Amen? I want that. I want that. I want that. I want that relationship with the body of believers. I want that relationship with the church. I want that relationship with the Lord. I want that. I want that acts to church. But we can't do it if we don't, if we're, if we're not intentional about it. If you noticed, I paused at a, few, at, a, at a few certain key words there, right? And what were those? Fellowship, prayer, and scripture. To me, those are the three keys in that set. So, I said a lot today. I want this to be an encouragement that in this season of life, as we go from summer and all those habits that are there in the summer to fall and all the, the habits that come around in the fall, to make these three things a part of your new habits. To make these three things, meeting together, joining a Bible study, joining a dinner group, jo continuing to come to church. If you're listening online and you're able to come, come. Meeting together. Deep deep prayer with the Father and meditative scripture. Starting small. Starting 
small. I said three big things that we need to start there, but we need to start small. Because oftentimes when we try to start big habits too big, what, what ends up happening? We burn out. We don't want to do it. If I want to go to the gym and I, and I, and I go too hard, I'm not going to want to go the next day. If I want to start a habit and I try to start something or end something cold turkey, it's not going to happen. But if I start small, incrementally, just one minute a day, reading scripture, just one minute a day, praying to the Lord, coming just once a week, twice a week, three times a week, meeting with fellowship of believers, over time, this is going to become who you are. Amen? This is going to become who you are. And I want that. I want that Acts 2 church. I want that for myself. I want that for the whole church. And I want that for you. I hope that you do too. Would you please pray with me this morning? Lord, we just thank you for who you are and the relationship that you want to have with us. And Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for the church universal. I pray for, for Katieville here that we want that as well. I pray that we're intentional with our relationship with you, that we, we, we understand that the habits in our lives, the habitual nature of ourselves, the liturgy that you've given to us, uh, wired us this way, can be used to, to, to live an amazing, righteous life after you. So Lord, I, again, I just pray that we are intentional in this. Understanding that you love us, that we are not deserving of that love, that we did not earn that love, but that you love us anyway. Lord, I want to live in that love. I want to be seeking that love out every day. So Lord, I pray that you give us the tenacity. I pray that you give us the honesty with ourselves. I pray that you give us the humility. I pray that you give us everything that we need to pursue that relationship deeper with you. Whether we've been believers of you for a minute, whether we've been believers for you uh, in you for our whole lives, Lord, I know that we can, we, we can always grow closer to you because you are so vast. Lord, again, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son who died on the cross for us so that we can be in a deep, deep, deep relationship with you. Thank you. Lord, I pray as we uh, continue in worship that you just bless this time. Holy Spirit, open our hearts, open our minds to what you have to say to us through these, through these words and through the fellowship after church. And uh, Lord, I just, I pray that we not leave here the same person we walked in as just changing our compass just one degree, two degrees closer to you. And over time, as that needle comes towards you, as we meet together, as we pray, and as we share in scripture together, we walk more straight and narrow towards you. So Lord, I just, I, again, I just pray that you bless this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Please stand as we continue in worship this morning.